Great job. And how many of you believe that as long as there is a God in heaven, there is hope for America? There really is. As long as there's a God in heaven. So we don't give up and we don't move into cowardice. We have faith to believe that there is still hope for America. You may be seated. And again, I'm so glad that you are here today. And uh, next week, and I want to really, really encourage you to be back next week. I know that we took some time off uh, from our series, and you think maybe we're done with the series that we started, um, Seeing the Invisible, but we are not done with that. In fact, there's uh, two uh, messages to go that uh, I'm going to share with you, one of which next week on the 11th, and then the following week on the 18th. So I want to be sure that you are back here next week for what will be part three of that series, and be certain that you bring somebody with you. What we have left to look at in this series is like major, major, majorly critical. So I want to be sure that you are here for that. But obviously, we took a week off for Father's Day, and then I was gone last week. By the way, uh, this is just a side note. It has nothing to do with the message. It has nothing to do with the message. But if you are a football fan, how many of you are? Wave at me. Say glory to God in the highest. And don't be, you know. So if you're a football fan, you know that that is right around the corner. And uh, so uh, while we were at the beach, Georgia, have you ever heard of Georgia? University of Georgia Bulldogs, have you ever heard of this team? Remarkable team, remarkable. In fact, God's favorite team, but that's a whole other story that we don't have time to get into today. But Georgia starts with Clemson. And guess who I met one day while I was on the beach? I met a football player for Clemson. I did, I really did. And I talked to him about the game a little bit. I offered him quite a sum of money to throw it on his part. He was not willing to do that. And, uh, but, uh, nice, nice young man, you know, he really, really was. So, and then, uh, so we'll pick up the series is what I'm trying to say. And I'm looking forward to that. But today I want to talk to you about truly free, truly free. And I really want to start out as sort of an unconventional talk. And you'll see this as we get a little deeper into it. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to shift from pastor to history teacher, which you'll appreciate, I'm sure. And then back to pastor, which, you know, is the lane that I like to be in most, quite honestly. But uh, I want to approach it in a little bit difficult way. And I want to go way, 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 way back. I want to go all the way back to the Israelites who are in in Egyptian captivity. And um, God wanted to lead them out. And they kept crying for deliverance because they were in slavery. They were in captivity. They wanted freedom. But freedom was not a reality for them at that point in time. God would raise up this great leader by the name of Moses. And through a series of events that we certainly don't have time to get into this morning, God would cause his people to be led out of Egypt miraculously. And they find their way in the historical narrative of Israel on their way to a land of promise. On this day, we think about and celebrate our independence. And what is it that we can discover about our freedom and I want to talk to that, uh, talk to you concerning that uh, here for a little while this morning. But in regards to the Israelites and their exodus, I want to set it up by just simply saying this, that God uh, wanted to provide this tremendous freedom for these that have been held in captivity. And when God sets them free from their captors, uh, the journey to the promised land should have been much shorter than what it actually turned out to be. The promised land was not nearly the distance. It was not a 40-year journey. 
And a lot of you are familiar with this story, and it was never intended that it would take 40 years. The delay actually had nothing to do with God's will concerning them, concerning the Israelites. Instead, it stemmed from their own sin and rebellion when they said, hey, listen, uh, we want to do it our way. We, we believe that God has led us out of Egypt. Then later, if you know, if you follow their wilderness wanderings, how they, how they talk about later, how we want to go back. And I mean, there's just this mass confusion going on, and it was their sin, it was their rebellion that had caused the delay in getting them into the land of promise. So I mentioned to you that God raises up this, uh, this guy by the name of Moses. How many of you are appreciative that God doesn't record perfect people in the Bible? There, I mean, every time, even these people that, that we admire and revere, like Moses, they had their own issues. How many of you know that, that, that uh, Moses would have benefited from an anger management class? How many of you know that? And God's leading him, and man, he just has this great attitude. I know at one point that, that Moses is like saying, all right, God, you know, and the people are like just crazy rebellious, and Moses trying to follow the purpose and plan of God, and the people are so rebellious, and, and God says, Moses, uh, just get out of the way. You know, I'm going to just, I'm so tired of their sin and their rebellion, and I've done all this, and they're not grateful, and they're still doing their own thing. You just stand back, Moses. I'm going to wipe them out. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a new people because Israel was, is God's chosen people, but I'll create a new chosen people. And, and Moses just had this amazing attitude that most of us, including me, we don't have where uh, Moses says, well, God, if you're going to wipe them out, then go ahead and wipe me out too. You know, it would have been so easy, I think, at that point in time for God, for Moses to have said to God, hey, listen, yeah, they're getting on my nerves as well. Go ahead and wipe them out. Give me a new people and we'll start over. It's interesting. You check this out sometimes. There are times in the historical narrative of this journey where Moses says something like this. And again, I don't have time to get into it, but Moses would say something like this. God, these people, your, your people, and God would be like, they're your people. And it was almost like Moses and God was having this uh, dialogue. God was saying to Moses, they're your people. And Moses is saying to, to God, no, they're not my people. They're your, it's sort of arguing over. And then Moses, you know, he's just had it up to here. And God tells him, hey, strike the right. And he just speaks to the rock and he strikes the rock and his own disobedience. And, and now this great, great uh, leader, Moses, has been highly revered, is not even, after all this time, is not, not even going to be able to cross the border and go into the land of promise because of his own trouble, his own disobedience. Now, picking up at the Old Testament book of Joshua, and you're going to see this up on the screen. Let's take a look at a few verses right here. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Moses, the Lord's servant, was dead. He, he would never enter the promised land. So the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had been the assistant of Moses. And the Lord said, my servant Moses is dead. Now you must lead Israel across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving to all of you. Wherever you go, and this is a great promise, wherever you go, I'll give you that land as I promised to Moses. And this is a great, obviously a great, great promise from God. So you see what he's playing out here. In the wake of Moses' death, the Lord has appointed now a new leader for Israel, and now it will be Joshua who will lead the people in crossing the Jordan River, crossing the border into the land of promise. 
And you know, it's remarkable. And there's so many things that's playing out in the text and the story and this narrative that I don't have a chance to address them all, certainly in one, in one talk. But when I read verse 3 in preparation for our time together today, it became a reminder to me that even when people may break their promise, that God, don't you appreciate this about the God, that God still remains loyal to his promise? God is faithful. God is true. Listen carefully. These verses are not up on the screen, but I want you to listen carefully to what is happening next. So now uh, God is, you know, Moses is dead. You just saw that. Joshua is going to lead the people. And so now God is going to speak to this uh, new leader. And he says, this, you can look at it later, Joshua 1, 6 through 11. Uh, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. And then he says it again, be strong and very courageous. How many of you know there's probably a good reason why God is using repetition with Joshua? Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? And then he says it a third time. Don't you love it? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So it says in verse 10, Joshua ordered the officers of the people. And now this is Joshua speaking. He said, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So it's like, you know what? You've been in captivity. You spent all that time in, in captivity. You, you spent so many years there. You, you've been in the wilderness and those who were rebellious actually died. You know the story. They died in the wilderness. It was their kids who actually would go in and occupy the land. And it's been a long, it's been an arduous, a grueling journey. But now the anticipation is, is elevated at extreme level. Three days from now, uh, Joshua announces to the people, and we will take possession of this new land. In order to be able to lead them in a way that God wanted Joshua to be able to lead the people, he says to them in that account that we just read three times, be strong and courageous. Joshua, hey, in case you've already forgotten, I'm just two verses into this, be strong and courageous. Oh, by the way, have I not said to you, Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. The assignment is going to be great, but it matters. It matters a whole lot. Matters for the nation of Israel. The implications are going to be felt for years, thousands of years to come. But I want to take a few moments to just jump over to the New Testament, to the book of Acts, because it once again declares for us why God would lead his people out of Egyptian captivity. Look at it on the screen. This is Acts chapter 7. Then the Lord said to him, this is going back into the story that began with Moses, take off your sandals, Moses, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God said, I've indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groaning, and I have come down. Look at what God says, to set them free. Now come, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you back to Egypt. Now, God had a promise. He's going to take his people, the nation of Israel, who's been in captivity, and he's going to lead them out. Raises up Moses initially. Uh, Moses still is recorded as this great spiritual historical figure in the, in the scriptures. 
Joshua would succeed him, and eventually they would get into the land that God had designated for them long before they ever entered into it, the land of promise. Now, I mentioned that I was going to do this. Obviously, I'm a pastor and not a history teacher, and there's a lot of people, even educators, that are seated in this auditorium that could uh, do a much better job at this than what I'll do in the next couple of moments. But because of today's holiday, I want to take just a little bit of time to talk about another freedom, then we'll transition back, the freedom and the new land and the new opportunity which would be provided to those who would come before us, the net result of what you and I feel today. See, clearly our forefathers were attempting to break the grip out of a British monarchy and to establish a new nation. In fact, let me just share this with you. On June the 7th, 1776, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia introduced a resolution. And I'll read the resolution verbatim or a portion of it. Resolved that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And this is what's playing out, you know, and, and again, the net effect as Americans, we're feeling this. It's what we're celebrating today, July the 4th. Here we are in 2021. And this all goes back. There's a historical track. And, and we know, and those of you that have studied history, and probably a lot of you have studied a lot more history than I, I have. And I hope that we don't have any students. I hope they're in kids' ministries or student ministries. But I may, I, I'm not saying I did. I'm just saying it is possible I slept through a history class or two in my day. It's possible. Didn't miss the whole class. But... We know that for our national leaders, and I've read a lot of history since to make up for lost ground, but for our soon-to-be national leaders, these are difficult times. We know, and just tracking back for a moment, for them, our forefathers, to declare for independence would tag them, and a lot of you know this, would tag them as traitors, and everyone knew what would happen to traitors whenever their efforts did not succeed, if they would succeed, which thank God that they did, but if they had not, but to cast off their identity with Britain meant that our forefathers would actually lose everything that had been normal to them. Things that were normal to that culture and society like love of the king and the traditions of a great nation and the power of being a part of a mighty empire. The attitude of King George III, and a lot of you have studied about him as well, is quite clear. I want you to take a look on the screen at what he actually says. This is a statement from him. He said... The New England governments, how many of you know that's us? The New England governments are in a state of rebellion. They are. Blows must decide whether they are to be subject to this country or to be independent. And so all of these things are playing out. And I'm, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not trying to just make it sound just like Israel and they're, you know, moving into the land of promise. But historically, it was breaking out of a grip to come and establish what you and I know and value and appreciate and pray for the United States of America. Famous ride, all of us will remember from history class, 
this character by the name of Paul Revere. Remember Paul Revere in April 1775 would, uh, would warn every possible house of a British troop what he knew and recognized his British troop movement and he sensed what was going to play out and so he wrote and, and there's, you know, we've seen the, the portraits and the, and the statements that have been made and, and he rides by horseback and how many of you remember what it says, what we were taught that he was announcing as he rode his horse? What did he say? Anybody remember? The British are coming. The British are coming. And I heard some educators speak up. And so that gives me confidence that I'm right in this regard. The British are coming. The British are coming. Now, I I want you to look with me. And I only have a few moments to spend here. But I want you to look with me at this prominent part of the Declaration of Independence. And it says, and it matters a whole lot, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Maybe what you would do this week, and even if you're not like a history buff, and I'm certainly not claiming that I am, although I have a high value and appreciation for history, especially in regards to our nation and a lot in regards to world history, but maybe you'd go back and you would want to revisit this. A historian by the name of Gilbert Chenard would write many years later this statement. He would say, the Declaration of Independence is not only a historical document, it is the first and to this day the most outstanding document in all of American literature. And it was a unique time. And our forefathers were breaking out of, the, out of a tyranny of their own, out of the grasp of a British monarchy, and was going to come and declare a state of independence and establish these united colonies, these united states. Does anybody happen, and again, the teachers and educators here will probably know this, but I had to revisit it in some reading and preparation for our time together. Does anybody happen to know what King George III actually wrote in his journal on July, here's the date, on July the 4th? 1776. How many of you would wave and agree that's a pretty important day, right? July the 4th, 1776. What did King George III think about it? This is what he wrote in his journal that day. Three words. Nothing happened today. (laughs) That's exactly what he wrote. Nothing happened today. So God in his provision would establish this freedom in this new land to Moses and all of the Israelites and freedom and new land would come to these United States. You know, we could take some time uh, if, if we had it even in this service, perhaps we need to do so in the near future to talk about uh, another important date that would come years later after this date. And that would be uh, January the 1st, 1863, when the president, Abraham Lincoln, would sign the Emancipation Proclamation and would rid this nation of the appalling reality of slavery and what that would mean and how that would come into being for our nation. But before we're done today, I want to quickly jump over to the New Testament because we need to be reminded of a great truth. And here's the truth. And everything that we've talked about, you know, distills down into these few moments that we have here toward the end, which is this, that Jesus offers real freedom to those who have been held captive by the evil one. And all of us at some point have been held captive by the evil one, haven't we? Perhaps, I don't know, 
There may be those of you here today that in some regard, you're still in captivity. Or those of you that are watching online, there is in some sense that you're still in captivity. But that's certainly not as Jesus wants it to be. See, early on in Jesus' ministry, he publicly announced, made it very, very clear that this would be a part, a vital, vital part of his primary mission. And I want you to see it up here on the screen. It's what we really need to focus on in our remaining time. He says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Look at this next statement. He has sent me to proclaim, look at this phrase, freedom for the prisoners, freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus would say, this is what my mission is. My mission is to set people free. He knew that people would be held captive just as, just as the people of Israel would be held captive by a lot of cruelty there in Egypt that, that hundreds of years later that people would still be held captive by the evil one. And Jesus said, I, I don't want that to be. I have a much better plan for my creation. Later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us a beautiful thing about Jesus. I love what Paul said about Jesus. He tells us that whenever Jesus shows up, that one of the things that Jesus always brings with him is Jesus always brings this sense of freedom. Look at what Paul had to say here in 2 Corinthians 3. The, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, read these three words with me. There is... There is freedom. There is freedom. This next verse, I believe, is for those of you who in the past, Jesus set you free from some pattern of sin that had been prevailing in your life. But maybe now lately, you've, you've had this occurring in your life that you feel yourself, listen carefully now, that you feel yourself being sucked back into some old captivity that was once so prominent in your life. It's like God set you free. God brought you out. God delivered you. And there was this enormous sense of freedom that you were experiencing Jesus. But, but through whatever circumstances, maybe hurt or pain or, or, or situations, it has caused you to have this sense that, that the evil one is trying to suck you back into things that Jesus actually set you free from along time ago. This is Paul again. Look at what he says in Galatians 5.1. He said, it is for, here's the word again, freedom, freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul, in essence, is saying whatever it is that Jesus has set you free from in the past, don't allow yourself to gravitate toward that again. If he sets you free, you are indeed free. Later, we find in 1 Peter a verse of Scripture which tells us that as you and I enjoy this freedom in Jesus that we're talking about, that we should never enter into a state where we abuse that freedom or we hide behind that freedom in order to indulge in some sinful desire. Instead, what do we do with it? We value this freedom and we search for ways to be able to utilize it in order to express this sincere Devotion and service to God. And this is what this particular apostle had to say about it. Look at it on the screen. Live as free people. Live as free people because that's what you are, the apostle Peter is saying. Live as free people, but don't hide behind your freedom when you do evil. Instead, 
use that freedom to serve God. How many of you know that grace is a powerful thing? Grace is a powerful thing. Uh, every single day, I kid you not, every single day of my life, I, I, I begin by just expressing gratitude to God for his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. And, and I don't know, uh, perhaps you're like me. I, I don't know, you, you probably, your past was probably a whole lot better than my past was. All I can speak for is me, but I'm telling you, the guy talking to you right now has needed throughout his lifetime lots of mercy and lots of grace. Is there anybody else in this auditorium that has also needed a little bit of mercy and grace? And I need it. I'm so grateful for it. Every day when I'm having my time with God, it's like uh, usually saying something like this. God, I'm, I'm just so grateful for your mercy. And I'm, I'm so thankful that your mercy is brand new to me every single day. Every day that the sun rises, your mercy is new and fresh. God, I never want to take that for granted. And God, while I'm at it, I want to just say thank you for your grace. And often I'll quote scripture while I'm praying. I know what your word says. Your word says that is by grace that I've been saved through faith and not of myself, not by words of righteousness that I've done, but according to your grace, you have saved me. You've lavished your love upon me. Even while I was yet a sinner, you came and, and God, I just want you to know I'm thankful for your grace and it's your grace that saved me. And oh, by the way, God, it's not only your grace that saved me, it's your grace that sustains me every day of my life. And God, while I'm thanking you for your mercy and for your grace, I want to thank you for your forgiveness and I, I'm just so grateful, God. And, and I know that I can't, uh, I can't forget, but I, I, I know that you forget a lot of what I've done in the past. And I'm so thankful that you forgave me. I'm so grateful that you take my sins and you cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. And again, I often pray through some scripture in regards to that. And grace is a powerful thing. And freedom is a powerful thing. Paul would later say, you know, because we have this incredible thing called grace, should we ever abuse it? Do we continue to just go on sinning because we've got that? He said, oh, no, 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 because we have grace. Don't abuse it. Just appreciate it. Value it. Walk in it. In that same way, there's this enormous correlation with freedom. We, we don't abuse it. We don't hide behind it. We're just grateful for it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I want you to check out these next three verses. This is John chapter 8. We're quickly running out of time, but I want you to see it. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Everyone who lives in sin is a slave to sin. Look at this next part. A slave does not stay with a family forever, but a son belongs to the family forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be truly free. What is it like to be truly free? A lot of you are walking in that life right now. You know what it is to be truly free. You're not perfect. Who of us are? If anybody thinks they're perfect, if anybody thinks they're perfect, that, you know, if anybody says, well, you know, Jeff, I am just so good. I am so very good. I'm so very perfect. I don't even sin. You just did. You just because we all sin, and you'll see it in a moment in a verse, fall short of the glory of God. And we walk because of what Jesus did for us in this provision of freedom. And we have the beauty of grace, and we have the beauty of mercy, 
and we have the beauty of forgiveness. I want you to know, and I want it to be clear to all of us, and I, I believe this would be also very, very true of you. I am never hesitant or apologetic when it comes to inviting somebody to become a follower of Jesus. I'm never. Anybody? Jeff? Nobody. Because I firmly believe that when a person walks, listen carefully to this, that when a person walks away from their slavery to sin, no matter how long they've been in, whatever that sin or sins has been, they will experience the love of God and the grace of God and the freedom of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God and all that is found in Jesus. And as a result of that, they will live a vastly better life than the life that they live. It's why I never apologize. It's why I'm never hesitant to ask somebody, hey, why wouldn't you? What would be preventative of you becoming a follower of Jesus, giving your life to Jesus? What would you have to lose? And there's nothing to be lost, really. Moses and the Israelites found freedom from the captivity that had gripped them from years in Egypt. But that's not really the freedom that you and I need. The freedom that many of us need, many of you, who are in this room or watching online, is the freedom that actually cost you nothing. A lot of times we think if something costs us nothing, and we've sort of been taught this, it's sort of, sort of a cultural understanding. If something is free, it's, it has very little worth, most likely. But it's totally different in regards to grace and mercy and forgiveness and freedom. This freedom that we need costs us nothing. But we've got to be certain in understanding that it costs Jesus absolutely everything, including his life. See, most all of you that are in this room or watching online, you know what I'm about to say, but in case there's somebody that doesn't, I want to be so, so firm, so clear, yet so compassionate when I say this, that your sins, but not just yours, sins of the whole world, my sins, and that's a lot, were all placed upon Jesus, all of them. You wonder, you, you haven't read in Scripture, and it says that even the Father, when he saw Jesus, had to turn his head. And I, I think the reality of that is because of all of the sin that had been subjected on the innocence of his Son. And Jesus willingly took it upon himself, and he carried it all the way to the cross, all the way to the cross, so that you and I, please hear this, can experience freedom right now, but eternal life forever. See, living in Jesus, being in a relationship with Jesus, not just, it's not just heaven. It's here right now. I know what it is to walk a life that is apart from Christ. I know that. And looking back, I, I hated it. I talked to you about that recently, how that I'd lay down at night and I'd just be so filled up with guilt and shame and regret. And then I gave my life to Jesus. And you know what? This freedom and this joy that I have in you, I, I wouldn't trade my life now for what my life was for all the money in the world. And a lot of times we think, well, I just need to get right with Jesus so I've got a secure place in heaven. But I'm just saying it's much bigger than that. It is the freedom and the hope and the joy that you have now but it is the hope of eternal life forever. Let me wrap up. Just a couple of more verses, and then I'm going to pray. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit, look at that, you've been set free from sin. Oh, you become slave, but slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Look at this next part. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And if you've never received that gift, man, what a great, great thing that could happen for you on this 4th of July holiday. To say, Jesus, I need your grace. Jesus, I need your mercy. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I need a do-over. I need a new start. I need a mulligan. I need a clean slate. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. And Jesus will do that right here because he wants you and he wants me to be truly free. So would you stand, everybody? for a closing prayer. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, and if you're here today and you just say, Jeff, you know, you were talking about grace and that resonated with me. You were talking about mercy and that resonated with me. Forgiveness and, and that made sense to me, but I'm not in a right relationship with God. But I want that. I want that. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that everything, all the junk in my life is, is forgiven. I want to know that God has forgotten about it. I want to know that it's in my past and I'm going to keep it in my past. I need a relationship with Jesus. I want freedom now. I, I, don't, I not only want a place in heaven. I not only want eternal life forever. I want freedom now. I need that joy now. I need that hope in my life right now. I need, I need Jesus right now. And if that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and nobody's looking around, and you'd say, Jeff, on this July 4th, 2021, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to become a follower of Jesus. Even if I don't know exactly where that journey is going to take me, I want to give my life to Christ right here, right now, today. If that's you, put your hand up real, real quick. Just put it up real quick, real quick. Yep, yep, yep. Put it up real quick, and then you can put it right back down. And then in your heart, in your mind, you just pray a prayer that sounds something like this. And Jesus, Jesus responds to it. You just be honest with God, and you just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need forgiveness. Give me a new beginning. I want to walk in freedom. I'm tired of being a slave to sin. Sin is wrecking my life. I need a relationship with you. I need freedom in you. And Jesus, I give my life. Take my hand and lead me and guide me according to your plan and your will for my life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we all give Jesus a big hand clap of praise? Can we do it? Well, happy 4th of July once again. I love you, everybody. Thank you for being here today. Have a great rest of your day. Don't miss next Sunday. I promise you don't want to miss it.